Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, guys, here we go. Are we ready to rumble here, second hour? Yes, oh, yeah. We are. We ready Let's to cook it. it. All right. We've, sure? got, uh, we've got a lot going on here today. This is going to be a great morning again, and it's good to have you with us. I hope you are really poised for some spiritual steps with Jesus today. He wants that for you. He wants that for me. He wants it for all of us. What's that mean? It means that we're disciples of Jesus Christ. We're apprentices of Christ. We keep in step with him. And when we don't, chaos ensues internally, and sometimes then it bubbles out to those around us. But boy, God can get a hold of us in a big way. I want to tell you that it is the small things in life that are the most deadly. Not the big stuff. It's just an accumulation of small things that are most deadly in our life. The metaphor I want to use this morning is the mosquito. A lot of us don't really understand the impact of a mosquito. We don't have a lot of mosquitoes around here, do we, Super Dye? Oh, well, Indiana we do. In the summer, it can get pretty bad. (laughs) Especially if you're on a lake or water. Over 2,600 variations of mosquitoes around the globe. Really? Yeah, over 2,600 variations of mosquitoes. I on that one. And uh, they are a nuisance. Certainly. At least in Alaska, (laughs) you can see them. They're big. Oh. Um, They have uh, fossil records of early history that... Mosquitoes were about three times the size that they are now. No. It's <laughs> terrifying. I don't but, want that. Oh. But three times isn't even still that big. No, I mean, true. three times the size, they're still pretty small. They are, their wings fly so quickly, thousands of times a second. Their wings structure is such that under a High-powered microscope, you can see the blood veins that run through it because they're so light that they're almost, you, you can't see them with the naked eye. Mm. And yet, these little boogers fly around and they want blood. Now, the question is, did mosquitoes always want blood? Think oh. about it, that for a moment. That's a good question. Okay. And the answer is no, they didn't. There's been a lot of study and research done on mosquitoes. Post-fall. Really? The speculation is that mosquitoes were probably sucking nectar from plants in the garden because they are a created being. But post-fall, we found that mosquitoes, as well as other wildlife, began to have a distortion of what they were intended for, and mosquitoes are, are that. A lot of us don't understand the deadliness of mosquitoes. There's a study that's out that found that mosquitoes killed 20 times more humans than snakes. They kill 20 times more humans than snakes do every year. It's crazy to think about. 20 times. There are about 200 million people that are infected by mosquitoes with malaria, yellow fever, dengue fever, uh, several diseases they carry, but malaria being the most common and most deadly. About 200 million people are infected. About half a million people are killed by mosquito bites every year. Half a million people are killed by mosquito bites every year. And it's a great metaphor because these boogers are pesky, let me tell you. Coming up, I'm going to take you to Burundi and give you a mosquito story that I thought 
oh, I'll never face mosquitoes like I did in Alaska. But boy, did I. And there's a spiritual application to this. All right. I was stunned in prep, prepping for this. How many spiritual <laughs> articles are written on mosquitoes? If you go to Got Questions, and the question is, why are there mosquitoes? They do an entire workup on why really? are there mosquitoes. <laughs> really? There's been, in Christianity Today, articles on why we should not be killing mosquitoes. We just need oh to be my. wary of them and the okay. spiritual implications behind it. Huh. Okay, now I'm itchy. Yeah. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I just... I feel like I've got some bumps on my own. So there's a, there's a lot of good data on this stuff, and then we're going to take this into a real spiritual content because it is the little things in life that are most destructive. Yeah, especially an accumulation of them. But coming up here in a moment, we had a mosquito net and that sucker just didn't work. <laughs> or should I say it would have worked if we could have seen the mosquitoes that were inside yeah. before we yeah. turned the lights out. <laughs> Hang on. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. It is often the case that the small things in life do more over time and repetitive hits to kill us spiritually than even the big stuff. I know we look at the snakes that come into our life and we go, man, that's very obvious. That's very real. That's destructive. I got to stay away from that. But what about the little things? Those little things that pick away at our spiritual life. Mosquito is a great metaphor for this. There's 20 times more people killed by mosquito bites than by snake bites. That's so shocking to me. And that's something yeah. globally every yeah. year. 20 that's... times more people killed by mosquito bites. So we go to Bujumbara, which is the biggest city in Burundi, and we crashed the first night. And uh, we had two different hotels when we were there. One was up north, and that had a net as well. But this one had a really cool looking canopy. It's almost like uh, a square frame around the bed. And then it had mosquito netting that you could unhook and drop down after okay. you get oh, into nice. bed at okay. night. Yeah. Okay. And we had seen some mosquitoes, several, uh, but we dropped those uh, nets down when we went to sleep. Uh, the problem when you drop mosquito nets down is if you've got mosquitoes inside the netting. <laughs> they got nowhere to go. They're with you. <laughs> They're with you, and, and they want blood. An interesting yeah. note here is that pre-fall, before there was sin in this world, mosquitoes, it is believed, probably sucked on nectar of plants to kind of promulgate themselves. Interesting. But now uh, mosquitoes, they go after blood to sustain themselves. The problem is they carry with them dengue fever, uh, encephalitis. Yeah, uh, yeah. They carry, uh, they carry the biggest problem is malaria. So here's the deal. Did you know that males don't bite only females and only female mosquitoes bite to feed their eggs? So the blood that they suck out of animals or out of people actually yeah. helps sustain them, grow them, and then they transmit that blood. So the transmitted blood can be filled with all kinds of disease and a, and a mosquito can sting more than once. We woke up that first morning and we started having little 
oh boy, that itches right there. And then you go, oh boy. My wife yeah. found a mosquito inside the inside the the kind of the canopied area and she smacked that dude and guess what happened? Oh, I can guess. Blood everywhere. Yeah. I don't know whose blood Splat. he had. <laughs> Splat. I don't know whose blood she had, yeah, there you but go. she had someone's <laughs> blood and it was either mine or Janan's or probably a little bit of both. Okay. Now, sometimes those mosquito bites don't manifest themselves for a few days. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. A mosquito bite can happen and you don't really feel it maybe huh. for 24, 36 maybe 48 hours really? because you actually have to brush against it to kind of irritate it. Oh, to, to get oh, it to rise. It, it starts, act activates the yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Huh. It kind of activates whatever is in there. Okay. And it's the same way in our spiritual life. Really have appreciated this uh, blog post by Sandeep Poonin. Sandeep has written on the, problems with the spiritual mosquitoes in our life. Listen to what he says. The small mosquito of inconvenience is a problem because it changes the routine, children growing up, etc. The Lord asks us to drive out all the mosquitoes of complaint in thoughts and words and feelings, Philippians 2.14. He says the small mosquitoes of being offended by the actions of someone else, the Lord asks us to violently drive out all self-pity. The small mosquito of envy towards the blessing of God on another brother. Jesus tells us to love as Christ loved us. The small mosquito of lust in my interactions with other, the Lord's others. The Lord tells us to repent of lust just as we would repent if we had committed a physical adultery. The small mosquito of unkind words towards loved ones. Jesus tells us that anger in our heart or words is as serious as murdering our loved ones, Matthew 5, 22. He goes on to say this, small uh, spiritual mosquitoes cause the most havoc in Christians. The devil and his forces might find that sincere Christians watch for spiritual serpents and tigers and lions and so on, but we can be casual to allow his spiritual mosquitoes to fly in and out of our everyday lives. And the biggest cause for spiritual death among Christians are the tiny mosquitoes that are allowed to remain. I find that to be very profound and actually quite true. Absolutely. I'm with you. Yep. You know, I don't know that the snake bites happen until the mosquito bites build up. I think that's also pretty true. It's Howard Hendricks who said, so accurately, he says, when you see someone's life taking a moral collapse, he says, there's no such thing as a spiritual blowout. It's always a slow leak. Yeah. And when we look at the big problems, either in our lives or someone else, maybe who had, I don't know, a public failure, you look at the big thing. But often a question that asked is, well, what led to that? What were the things behind it that brought it to this point and it's true the smaller things end up building up so much and they're not dealt with that a big thing comes afterwards so true yeah boom crew i got a question for you i'm asking you to text in the reason we do these exercises is two reasons one is so that we can get feedback from you and share it so that it gets the juices going gets people thinking 
but also so that you can go through the exercise of self-identification. We're, we're doing discipleship here, guys. And discipleship is not about gaining more knowledge. It's about assessing and identifying what's in the way of us walking forward with Jesus at times. So here's the question. What are the little things in life that are giving you fits in your spiritual growth? Come on. What are the little things in life that are giving you fits in your spiritual growth? I want you to identify those, and uh, we will not call out any numbers on this. And all we see is telephone numbers. That's it. But text us that. 312-274-9624. Give us a text on that one. What are the little things that are giving you fits in your spiritual life? What are the mosquitoes? We know to stay away from snakes and lions and wolves. Hands down. But what are the little mosquitoes that are giving you fits in your spiritual life? Come on, light it up. This is good for you. To be able to put your thumbs to a phone and say, this is what they are for me. That's healthy, man. Because you cannot eradicate what you do not identify. 312-274-9624. They're coming in already. Impatience. My little thing is profanity. Wow. Traffic. That's good. 312-274-9624. What are the little things in life that are giving you fits spiritually, holding you back from what God has? Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, here's the reality. God has won the battle. The battle has been secured. We're new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. So right there, I went through uh, 2 Corinthians, Galatians 2, uh, Colossians 3. There's... There's ample evidence that we have been reborn. Now, we live in a fallen world. Mosquitoes didn't used to suck blood. They used to suck nectar. The fall happened. Now they're going for the blood. It's a perfect metaphor. Mosquitoes are so small. The ones in Africa, it's quite amazing to me. The variation in in Africa are so much smaller than the mosquitoes we had in Alaska. But the mosquitoes in Africa, although smaller, carry incredible amounts of diseases, not least Mm -hmm. of which is malaria. And it's a great spiritual metaphor because most of you listening to me right now, right now, are not getting your lunch eaten by pediddling with the secretary at work. Most of you aren't out committing grand larceny. You don't have idols set up in your home and you're burning incense to foreign gods. Most of you aren't. Yeah. But isn't it true that it's the little stuff that kicks our spiritual booties? Every single time. And if we don't kill these mosquitoes, they'll just keep biting us. And someday... It could lead to something lethal. Yep. That's right. 
If nothing else, it just neutralizes us. What are some of these that have been coming in? Yeah, we've got a lot of response here. We've got resentment, passivity, busyness, politics, maybe having that too high up on the pole, inconsideration, depression, lust, complaining, jealousy of others, spiritual jealousy. Uh, Short blocks of time instead of really leaning into something, lying to keep peace. Hmm. Uh, phone app games, not feeling well physically when praying, the notifications go off Mm. fear of letting go and trusting. Yeah. We've got, uh, more, we've got lust, unkind words, accusations that, uh, putting on people. Uh, we've got complaining, spiritual jealousy. Yeah, man. These are great guys. This is good. This is the kind of discipleship that I believe is most transformative because we can talk about knowledge and learning this and learning about this, but until we identify, in this case, the spiritual mosquitoes in our life that are eating us alive, yeah. we may not get the kind of victories that God has for us. But if we do, look out. Great things can happen. More in a second. Learning to follow Jesus each and every day. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, we're going to hit a couple of topics here today that are big ones. What are the little things in life giving you fits spiritually? And as we said, we're going to, we're going to tackle this. We're going to go to the Word of God. We're going, to, we're going to talk about how we deal with these things. But I want to go back to this question and give you a chance to weigh in on this. A quick recap. My bride and I were in Bujumbara, the biggest city in Burundi, and getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. So we started having kind of a practice. We'd get into the bed area, drop the screens, and then we'd go killing whatever was in there. And we'd kill as many as we could. And usually it was just like three or four. And I'd yell out to my wife, I got one. (laughs) I got another. I tried to get into the bed before, so I'm in there trying to kill mosquitoes. Right. I got another one, babe. (laughs) And uh, only to find out in the morning, a couple uh-huh. of those suckers were hiding out. Sure they were. We're like, are they coming in underneath at night? Uh-huh. We were we were making sure there were no yeah. cracks for these because they are heat seeking missiles, these things. Oh, no kidding. They can find blood anywhere. Yeah. Interestingly enough, mosquitoes kill more people globally, 20 times more people globally than snake bites. That you would never guess me. That. No, that throws me. I'm like, wow. 200 million people are infected with malaria every, every year. Half a million people die. And the spiritual principle here is, what are the little things that are giving you fits in your spiritual life? Look, we, we get it, man. Most of you listening right now are not in, you know, in the clutches of some big, horrific deal. Some are. Some are. Some are listening right now, and you find yourself being unfaithful to a spouse, and she doesn't or he doesn't know. And you're living a secret life, and it's eating your lunch. That's a big one, man. That snake just got its tentacles around you, and it is eating your lunch. But for most of us, it's like Howard Hendricks said, there's no such thing as a blowout. It's always a small leak. 
but there's something just chipping away at you. It's the little things in life that are giving you fit spiritually. And here's the beauty with this. Identifying what those little things are is healthy. I'm telling you, as long as I've been a pastor, I, I am now getting to the point where I'm saying Bible studies that don't result in identifying blockers to discipleship and removing them are not worth studying. I know that sounds draconian, but I really mean this. Mm. Discipleship is about apprenticeship to Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's about growing in our relationship with God. And that's almost rarely related to knowledge alone. Mm -hmm. It's related to knowledge applied. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? His last little portion of that message. Anyone remember? It's the house that's built on the rock. And, and what's the distinguishing factor between sand built and rock built? Yeah, so obviously rock built is good, sand built is dangerous, and both of these people, these example people, both read the word, but the one who built their house on the rock read it and applied it. Yeah. Application. Yeah. It's big, man. Absolutely. So we got to be applying the word, and what's that mean? You can't apply the word to something that you don't know is a problem. How do you apply a bandage to a wound that is unidentified, right? How do we do yeah, it? Absolutely. Tough to do. So this is a great exercise in discipleship. And you don't have to text in, but we benefit greatly because we share them and then it trips something for, you know, it helps trigger in someone else's life. Yeah, man, right. that's, that's where I'm struggling too. Just a simple little question, then we'll get to solutions here in just a moment. What are the little things the little things in life that are giving you fit in your spiritual life and inhibiting your growth. 312-274-9624. Give us a text on this one right now. We're not going to read out numbers. We don't know who you are, but let's go. This is healthy. There's something about you putting your thumbs to your phone and putting this in it's cathartic. It's good. It's healthy oh, yeah. for you. Absolutely. 312-274-9624. Solutions coming up. You're a piece of work, Young Thunder. Thank you. <laughs> Talking about mosquitoes and the reason he threw that in, she's a man eater, yeah. is that we said, uh, now I've got to go back and give some context because right. male mosquitoes don't bite. Right. Only female mosquitoes bite. So All right. I take it the from the top again. <laughs> Let's see if I have it here. She's a man. Okay. Here it is. Oh, here she comes. Watch out, boy. She'll chew you up. Oh, here she comes. She's a man eater. <laughs> I'm glad you get a kick out of your bumpers, dude. Thank you. That's great. Oh, helping you take your next step with Jesus here this morning. Uh, let me break it down for you really simply. I, You get it, Boom Crew. We've got overeating, laziness, selfishness. These are responses that we have asking the question, what are the little things that are giving you fits in your spiritual life? It's usually not the big stuff. No. Howard Hendricks is right. There's very few blowouts. It's usually a slow leak. Yeah. You don't find a guy that goes out and pediddles with someone just bada bing. 
It's a slow leak. It starts with temptation and then lust gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. It's it's just a slow leak. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. I've had my share of big stuff in my life, the snakes that need to get dealt with. Yeah. But whenever I'm dealing with those or when I've dealt with those in the past, the key to solving them is saying, what are the little things that led up to yeah, this? Yeah, right on. It doesn't get fixed without identifying the little things that came before it. Yeah, right on. Every single time. Every single time. And so the question is, how do we deal with it? Well, let me give you three common themes that I wrote about extensively in my book, The Seven Resolutions. And the title of the chapter or the resolution is Kill Sin. Now, first, you got to have the courage to admit that these little mosquitoes that are these little things that are chipping away at your spiritual life are missing the mark and they're stealing from you, albeit small little amounts over time, it accumulates to a big problem. So what are the three movements that I find in scripture over and over again from Genesis to Revelation? Number one, you've got to bring it into the light. You've got to confess it. Spiritual mosquito bites that stay in the shadows will kill you just like malaria. They will. You got to bring it into the light. We find two central passages that I lean on heavily. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is great. But interestingly enough, we are born in community. And isn't it interesting that it's almost easier to confess things to God than it is to a person? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I had a pastor that once said, uh, I, he said, I'm not going to make this an absolute, but if you can confess to God, but you cannot confess to other people, are you confessing to God? Cause sometimes we take question. it, well, God, Ooh. God isn't verbally responding to me. So I can kind of say it to him, but I don't have to look someone in the eyes and say it. And maybe that's a little bit easier. Sometimes we make yep. it feel. Yep. So you got to bring it into the light. How do we know this? James 5 is very clear that the community of believers are there to confess, to pray for, and to watch people walk in freedom and healing. Confess your sins to one another. One another's are all over the New Testament. I think it's over 70 times one another is used. We need each other. And trying to deal with the small things in life that are giving you fit spiritually alone will not work. You've got to find someone. And let me be this bold. Find someone you know you can trust. You're not going to confess this thing to them today, and they're going to use it as a knife in your back tomorrow. Very important. And find someone who has the courage to really pray for you and take it seriously. Someone who says, you know what? I want to have your back on this. I want to walk with you on this. Let's go. No matter how small it may be. But then take extreme measures to kill what's killing you. Put to death, therefore, repeated over 60 times in the New Testament. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He's simply saying this, take extreme measures to kill what's killing you, and that includes the mosquitoes in our life. Take extreme measures. Hunt them down. Get them out. Get proactive on ways to deal with the stuff in your life, and you will get victory. I'd say the third thing is 
found in Galatians 5.16. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What's that mean? It means be so filled up with the power of the Spirit through prayer and the opening of the Word and the humble submission to God that you find that you're not off that path a little bit, out there wandering, trying to get your needs met with small little things. You're finding your sustenance in Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. These things are winnable, guys. Got so many responses coming in. Time management priorities. I got to tell you, my hot take on time management I used to say, and I still believe, that the most fundamental resolution we need to make before God is to join Him. But I got to tell you, if you've got a mismanaged calendar, if your time gets squandered to and fro, you will not make time to join God. If you have a mismanaged calendar, you will not take time to have the truth that is irrigating your mind so that you can know who you really are in Jesus Christ. If you have mismanaged time, you will have no time to take risk of faith and walk with Jesus in power. If you have mismanaged time, you will not be able to choose the kind of friends that are going to move the ball down the field with you. Time management, I am almost convinced now, has such devastating effects on all of our life spiritually that if we can get our time in order, look out. Way to go. Delayed repentance, someone said. Hate toward my neighbor. Shame and guilt from addiction. list goes on and on, but God can get the victory. He can, guys. Father, in Jesus' name, to all these people that are identifying the little things in life that are giving them fit spiritually, God, thank you for the grace that you've given us this morning to identify them. I've been joining this exercise with everyone here, Lord. So, Father, give us the courage now to speak it out to a friend and just say, hey, would you help me with some mosquitoes in my life? Would you help me here? And then to take extreme measures to actually put to death what is killing us. I thank you that you can fill us up with your spirit and actually leave no room for the flesh to even invade our life. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Coming up. What's going on in the church, guys? Where have all the people gone? And could it be a good thing? Find us on social media. Just search Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. One of the most powerful images that we find is Jesus speaking with Peter, and he says, listen, I am building my church, the church, man, which is constituted by elders And disciples of Jesus Christ who come together to encourage one another and then to go into all the world. In simple terms, that's what it is. And, you know, we find ourselves in a post-Christian world, and I think sometimes we can get pretty down in the dumps about it. Post-COVID, there's been a lot of things that have happened that have caused the church to shrink a bit. But is it all bad? What do you say, Young Thunder? Uh, No, I don't think it's all bad. I think that there has been... Some benefits when it comes to COVID, I think that when you kind of look at like the church that is being persecuted, obviously I'm not equating us to the persecuted church. I don't think that we are persecuted in anywhere near the same level. But when I say that, I mean, 
you see who is real in terms of their faith and who is not when it comes to the persecuted church. And I do think there is some of that. I don't think everybody who stopped going to church, I'm not saying that everybody who stopped is real or, or not. I'm just saying that there is some of that. People who who kind of went to church as a cultural thing, but it didn't really mean much to them spiritually. Uh, they kind of stopped going because the purpose wasn't there anymore. Why do you think frequency of attendance is down? The stats, generally speaking, are 2.4 in attendance per month per person. They average it out. And it, probably a decade ago, five years ago, it was 2.4 times a month. And now it's down yeah. to 1.3. Yeah. yeah. Why Why do you think that is? Thoughts? I, I think people just got used to not going, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. They got used to it. Yeah. yeah. Complacent. I think also our maybe our, our vision of how church was run and experienced on a Sunday morning uh, wasn't powerful enough when it comes to Holy Spirit led power. Uh, you That's know, an interesting take. I, I think that for, I, I have someone, uh, you know, that I know that I'm close to that says, you know, my, my kids now ask me, you know, why do we need to go to church? Why can't we just watch it online? Because it was kind of status quo to go maybe wave hi to a couple people, sit in the pew, listen to the sermon, and then leave. And, well, I can do all of that from my couch, and I'm not really missing a beat if that's all I'm doing. And if that's all people are doing, I mean, what is the point? New to the show? We're glad you're here. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, one of the things we know for sure, Boom Crew, is that across Chicagoland post-COVID, the church landscape has changed radically. You know, and I I remember the early days where we came back together, we're meeting, and it was shocking how fewer. There there were more empty seats. For my church, we went from three services pre-COVID to two post-COVID, and it was stunning a little bit going where did where did everybody go where did they go that's the question josh where did everybody go well i think they stayed home yeah they uh they were you know fearful uh in large part and weren't sure what to do uh josh zajcik is our guest right now he's director of church engagement at focus on the family and that's his area of focus so this is intriguing here how many people saw covid as a green light to no longer do what they never really felt in their heart was them. They were going through religious hoops, and maybe they were never born again. Is that in play here, Josh? Well, I think so, but I, I, it's hard to quantify that. It right? is. I think when people think they're believers, Matthew 7 talks about this, this idea that people are going to get to the judgment day, and they're going to say, Lord, didn't I do all these things in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. Oh, by the way, that's written to religious leaders predominantly. Yes. yes. So you're talking about people who their heart was never in it. And when they finally had this opportunity to back out, it, it was more natural. It was more organic for them to not be a part of the church or be in community. But I, I don't know that we can quantify it at this point. Yeah. Josh, you're a former pastor. It wasn't just the congregation that was affected during COVID. The challenges for pastors, even now kind of three years post uh, the initial shutdowns, what's the landscape look like as far as how pastors are faring coming out of all of this? 
Yeah, I'm grateful for groups like Barna Research and Lifeway Research. They're doing a lot of diagnostic, trying to understand what has been the effect. And just recently, an article was put out on Christianity Today saying that one in four pastors are planning to retire by 2030. Now, some of that is obviously uh, an older generation of pastors. The average age of pastoring has gone up. But I think there was also quickly some research done here that the increase of people considering quitting the pastorate doesn't mean that they were quitting their pastorate, but they were considering that that uptick an additional 12% post-COVID. So I think it took a toll. And then you've got all these political stresses that are affecting pastors. I mean, how do we, in a more and more polarized political climate, how are pastors to navigate the truth of God's word when they have people literally on both sides of the aisle politically sitting on both sides of the aisle spiritually in the church. Yeah. So I think I think there's it's just getting harder. That's so true. You know, uh, Josh, I think about this verse in Hebrews that talks about uh, letting your leaders lead you with joy and not groaning. What can we as the congregation <laughs> do to help to to make leading us the big church a joy? How do we get the pastors to stop groaning? <laughs> what what what's yeah, my role you know, in what, this? I think this is really the hard work of the congregant because I think the congregant does have a call to be a noble Berean to test what their pastor's teaching to make sure it's biblical. I think what's even harder for all of us is to test our own hearts. We are such an emotionally driven culture. We're a feelings-led culture um, that seeps into the church for sure. And I think what we feel sometimes is when we are disagreed with that pastor is sinning against us. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's the pastor's in the wrong. Well, actually, there's a ton of things pastors do that are going to make you feel uncomfortable if they're doing their job faithfully. And that's not them leading poorly. That's you following poorly. And and that means we've got to conform our emotions to God's word and test what we hear to make sure it is, but not make things sin issues. And I'll give you an example of this. I was sitting um, at a dinner table a few years ago, and it was all in the midst of COVID. No pastor did it perfectly. And I was sitting down with a family, and they were talking about difficulties that they had the way their pastor or elder team, pastoral team, was handling the COVID situation. And I just said, is there any chance, any chance at all, that they're not at least sinning, that they're just trying to do the best with the knowledge they have? (laughs) And one of the family members was like, absolutely, yes, of course, yes, yes. It's not the way I would do it, but of course, they're not necessarily sinning. And the second person in the family was kind of nodded their head a little slower, but yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but the third member of the family shook their head very violently. No, absolutely not. They're in sin. Oh my word. We got it. We have to be able to give grace to fallen leaders, people who are in sin and, and or, or sinners as well, and say, hey, they're not perfect. And they're trying their best. Give grace, believe the best and say, not everything is sin. Let's call sin what the script when the scriptures call it sin let's let's agree with the scriptures let's not make it up in our minds because were just uncomfortable or violated our preference. Love it. Josh Zajek is our guest right now. He is director of church engagement at Focus on the Family. When we get back here, Josh, I want to ask you, there's I'm always looking for blue sky. What is the blue sky here? What's the good news? And what can we be poised to do as we maybe weren't before as a church? That's where I want to go straight ahead. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. 
Well, we're talking about pastors this morning, the challenges that pastors are facing. Can you believe that one in four pastors will be retiring by 2030, according to an article in Christianity Today? We've got uh, Josh Zycek with us right now talking about this. That's a high number, one in four pastors. What what will that do or what could that do to the church if all of a sudden we've got one in four pastors retiring either due to age or to going, you know what, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah, no, and I, you see statistics saying um, 50% of pastors leave the ministry after five years, 80% after 10. Wow. So I think what we're seeing is resiliency of pastoring diminishing. And when I when I look at some of the Barner research, what I actually find encouraging is that it says for those who considered quitting, so this is a survey, they're addressing people who considered quitting and people who did not in the pastorate. And those who considered quitting said they don't feel equipped to cope with the ministry demand. Nearly mm-hmm. 20% felt that way. But that number drops in half for the people who didn't consider quitting, which to me says that if we properly prepare pastors for the challenges, and you do that through mentorship, you do that through an older pastor investing in a younger pastor, that you, you don't do it in isolation. If we could solve that problem, we actually could equip more pastors because the same amount of folks are going through seminary. There's not really a statistical drop off mm. in people going to seminary. So we're getting people trained theologically, but we're not getting them tra- trained in character, yeah. in resiliency, in, in the hard work of ministry. You know how many times Jesus was persecuted, his own people abandoned him. So, so we have to learn those lessons from older pastors who've also been persecuted and also have been abandoned by people in their leadership, but stayed the course because it was worth it. Yeah, right on. Josh, there's two things that I didn't get at Bible college or seminary as a pastor, and I'm I'm probably pastor in my heart first, radio guy second here, but I didn't get spiritual warfare and I didn't get interpersonal relationship training. That nobody mm-hmm. talked enough about the spiritual war of pastoring and the need for interpersonal training. I'm talking group dynamics, how to assess staff and all this stuff. This has been a holy reset and we're we must be growing in those kind of things as well, aren't we, Josh? Well, I think so. And I, I think pastoring, I think, has gotten more and more complex. You think about first century church. We're talking about the men, the apostles in homes. OK, we're talking groups of people gathering yeah. in homes yeah. and just centering around the teaching of God's word. Now, pastors have to be excellent theologians. They have to be orators because everybody has access to the Internet and the radio and they can listen to their favorite preacher. And so they have to be that good or your people are aspiring to be that good. They have to be businessmen. They have to know HR stuff. They have to know IRS details for tax law. I mean, there's so much. And I think we've professionalized the role so much that I think men and those going into the pastorate are considering getting trained in those skill sets more than the character skill sets of shepherding people. That's fascinating. Uh, Okay, blue sky, where do we go here? There is a lot of hope, actually. So pastoring is still, I think, one of the greatest callings um, that God puts on a man to go into the ministry and serve a people and shepherd, become an under shepherd of him. He loves his people, and he calls leaders to do the same. And so I think it's still a great calling. Ironically, in spite of all of the challenges post-COVID, pastors are still reporting that they think it's a great profession. So that's not really dropping off either. 
But I think the key is mentorship, admitting, so younger pastors admitting, we need to be trained up. We need people to pour into our lives. And then they seek it out. I think they want it. But then these older men, older pastors have to step in and start investing in the younger generation. And the CT article is pointing out that you're still seeing a lack of leadership development. That is an element um, that churches are failing in. And so if they're self-reporting that, hey, okay, let's identify that and fix that. Let's start building pathways of accountability, discipleship, and, and go after the soul of that young aspiring pastor and make sure that they're walking well with the Lord, that they're walking well with their wife and their kids. And let's not just put people in because we're desperate or hyper-concerned about the, the retirement impending by 2030. Let's get people qualified and make sure that their lives are in order so they can lead well. Love it. Josh, thanks so much for being with us today, my man. You can go to FocusOnTheFamily.com for more resources. FocusOnTheFamily.com. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. When I first heard Howard Hendricks say this, I thought, boy, that's profound. He said, if you look at people's lives who have kind of collapsed and failed in a significant way, he says it's almost never a blowout. It's always a result of a slow leak. That's true. It's often the little things that really get after us. So the question I have for you this morning is, what are the little things in your life that are giving you fits spiritually? They're just kicking your tail. And they aren't huge. And you might think, oh, man, I just I wish that would go away. I wish that would change in me, about me. But they're little. And you know what? It's holding you back. And the beauty of processing this is we're committed to discipleship that has application at its core. I am, if you're new to the crew, you need to know I am rabid about this one. We have a brand of Christianity that has leaned heavy into the study of God's word, but been weaker on the direct application. How is this going to work its way out in my life? And if we look at the Sermon on the Mount, what do we find in the very last words of Jesus comparing a house built on the sand and a house built on the rock? What do we find? Both of those people read the word, but only one, the person who built their house on the rock, applied it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, if we are not looking at our life with an eye to, how can this change? How do I get these mosquitoes out of my life so Mm -hmm. that I can move on in victory? We're going to find out that we've got a slow leak in our life. And some of you might find yourself derailed today spiritually, not from some grave sin. Mm -hmm. It's just from a bunch of spiritual mosquito bites. Little stuff. Over and over and over piled high. My bride and I like to talk to couples about this all the time. My bride's excellent at this. But here's the reality. Most marriages do not, do not, they do not slide into a glorified roommate status with one big event. It's usually one little brick after another building a wall between two people. It's usually not one big thing. Yeah. It's just a bunch of little bricks. And our spiritual life declines, not usually through one big choice to go out and I'm going to go cheat on my wife. Right. It doesn't usually result in I'm going to go hold up a fifth third bank today. Right. It's usually not the result of 
any big thing. No. Nope. Yeah. It's a bunch of consecutive little mosquito bites of something in our life that is missing the mark with God and pretty quick it's got us diminished. Yeah, and I mean, how dangerous is that? Because just like a regular mosquito, yeah, it itches a little bit, but I mean, what's the real harm of a mosquito bite, you know? And we can kind of think that way about these types of sins. You said, you know, cheating on a spouse or robbing a bank. Obviously, those are big, very out in the open things. And so people focus on those a lot. But we tend to diminish the danger of the mosquito bite sins. Boom. We tend to diminish the impact of the mosquito bite sins. And we can't do it. We can't do it. Otherwise, they become more dangerous than you can ever imagine. They do. And we're going to get into how to resolve this. Because there's a solution. Aren't you glad God doesn't leave us alone Amen. on this Amen. one? Thank you. Please and but, thank you. But here's what I want you to do. And I'm rabid about this. It is, it is imperative that you become a disciple of Christ that has the courage to look at your life with healthy scrutiny and go, what are the little mosquitoes in my life that I'm allowing to live and they're eating me alive? Here's why. Until you do that, you can go to church all day long. You can join multiple Bible studies. But until the study of God's word and the hearing of his word and the worship of God is translated into the eradication of these little mosquitoes that are killing you one bite at a time, it's all for naught. It's all for naught. All for naught. So here's the deal. One question, and I want you to be honest to God about this right now. In this moment, I don't want anyone to move past this point. I want you to all be honest with God. What are the little things in your life that are giving you fits and it's undermining you spiritually? It's robbing your ability to take hold of God's promises. It's robbing your ability to be joyful. It's robbing your ability to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. What are these little things? Text us right now. We're not going to read out any numbers here. We're just going to go. And here's why this is powerful. Because I'm going to give the first kind of solution for dealing with these spiritual mosquitoes in our life. Confession. Confession to God and confession to man. Ever notice how it's easier to confess to God, it seems, than it is to a person? Yep. On earth? Absolutely. It's just amazing <laughs> sure. how that is. Mm-hmm. You, you say, you know, I can, I can talk to or I can tell God about my, you know, let's say drinking problem, but I don't want to tell my wife about my drinking problem. Yeah. Why is it easier to confess to God than it is to a spouse in that situation? I think the prospect of being shamed in the earthly man mm-hmm. is more lethal and more averse yep. in our hearts than it is even talking to God about it. I would agree. Asking you this question. What are the little things in your life that are giving you fits and robbing you of the spiritual life that God has for you? Text in right now. Right now. Let's go. 312-274-9624. Here's why. There is something cathartic spiritually and frankly healing in the spirit to put your thumbs to a keyboard and go, they don't know me, but this is healthy for me to just type this in right now. Yep, absolutely. 
Come on, let's go. Let's just load them up right now. They're pouring in right now. We're going to read these out in just a minute. You're just going to be one of hundreds. 312-274-9624. Let's get them in here right now. This is healthy, guys. Can I just tell you the truth? This is discipleship. You're fired up. Yeah, well, the, here's why. <laughs> you are. The, the older I get, the more I realize you can do all the study. You can go to Moody Bible Institute. You can get a degree online. You can do all that stuff. You can lead a small group. You can pastor a church. Pointing at myself. But if you neglect the day-to-day discipleship of dealing with the spiritual mosquitoes that are eating you alive, you will render yourself impotent and rob yourself of the joy of the faith. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, I'm just going to shout them out here. This is healthy. These are the responses that we've got to this question. What are the little things in your life that are giving you fits? and stealing your ability to grow spiritually and take hold of God's promises. Judgment of a mother-in-law, anger, bitterness, resentment, mm. self-sufficiency, for, uh, unforgiveness, easily offended, traffic, worry about finances, oversleeping, Death by a thousand paper cuts, and they go on to list a bunch of them here. Uncontrolled and unwanted thoughts in my mind. Oh, these are good, guys. Mm -hmm. Small amounts of self-righteousness. Man, this is so perceptive. Yeah. Pot, way to go. Way to get mm -hmm. honest. Absolutely. Not submitting, alcohol, laziness, complaining, Facebook in the morning before time with God. Mm being judgmental, unforgiving, pride, self-righteousness, unresolved anger. Take it from there. Yeah, we've got uh, resentment of a spouse. We've got busyness, jealousy, pettiness and friendship, shame, alcohol, overeating, self-esteem, shopping too much, procrastination, too much time spent visiting the past, Ooh, do you see this one revising past shame? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got uh, spiritual complacency, holding on to bitterness from past hurts, worry, fear, especially when it comes to the family. Drinking, lust, discontentment, lust again. I drink wine every night. You know mm. what's going on there? They're saying it's got its hooks into me, man. Yep, I don't drink wine. It's drinking me. Yep. Resenting my husband. Mm. Wow. Resenting my husband who won't go to work while I get up every morning and go to work. This is That's deep stuff, guys. Yeah. Succumbing to pornography and the guilt and the shame that comes along with it. Complaining, laziness. These are just the responses that have come in this morning, right here, in the last couple of minutes. Cursing is a normal part of my language. Mm -hmm. One-upsmanship. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Man, this is good stuff. It is good stuff. The question is, where do we go from here? And aren't you glad God has hope in his word? He's got a plan. 
God's, God's word is a blueprint for liberty and freedom from these spiritual mosquitoes. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.